Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Spurs. And now, let's join our hosts. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Spurs News Podcast. For the first time in a long time, two weeks in a row, it is I, Sam, joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Matt. Hey, mate. Well, maybe like if we're doing two weeks in a row, then it can only bode well, can't it, for Sheffield United next week? Yeah, I think so. You know, <laughs> we're back. Football's back, uh, and we haven't lost in two games. No. Yeah, it's a shame about the Arsenal result. I mean, if they'd have, lo- if they'd have lost last night, which I thought was on the cards, because Southampton away is tricky, yeah. but that would have just been beautiful, wouldn't it? You know, because yeah. before, but before the, the, the um, it resumed, it was at points per game basis, and they and they were putting us above us. But yeah. I was thinking they're going to wish they they're going to wish the season had been cancelled, you know. But unfortunately, I, they got I, their three points yesterday. I, I think Arsenal would wish that. I think every Evertonian this morning waking up wishes the season had been cancelled as well, because of course the big news from yesterday unfortunately, is that Chelsea won, um, which from our own point of view kind of, I think, cements and finalises the last nail in the fourth place coffin. Uh, But that means Man City lost, and of course it means that Liverpool FC are the Premier League champions 29-20. Well done, they've been the best team. That's about as much as I want to (laughs) say. It's hard, isn't it, mate? Yeah. I, I, I like I like the club. The, well, I say I like the club. I, I, I like the Liverpool FC as a club in in general. Mm. Uh, 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 like they're a family-run club, aren't they? And they're um, you, you know they 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 seem to do things the right way. But I think my problem is certain players and certain fans that I know. <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's what that's why I struggle yeah, to, I, to congratulate them. I think the other thing as well is social media is kind of like a magnifying glass for assholes. Um, the actual fans who were out in Madrid, you know, like every single interaction, every single fan story was like Tottenham fans, Liverpool fans mixed in. And it was great. Like they were all really good people, um, you know, out there for a good time. And even though they won, they were kind of like, you know, don't don't let it get you guys. You know, you'll come back next year. We lost last year. You know, don't let it get you. I mean, of course, they didn't realise what you know Tottenham were like. <laughs> you know, we we all knew it's like we are coming back. <laughs> um, but, but thanks for saying it. So yeah, I mean, for those good people who have waited since 1990, um, having to endure Man United rubbing it in their face constantly. Yeah, enjoy it. Good luck to them. But that's all I want to say about that. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> um, last week on the podcast, um, we I, I returned and I returned into a kind of a, a whirlwind situation where we had a quite a large reaction and a fan question around the Black Lives Matter movement and the players taking a knee and stuff. Uh, and we addressed that last week and I'm not going to go back over again because, you know, we've addressed it. Um, you know, we've made our feelings clear on it, but we did get quite a reaction to it, which was really positive. Um, so I did just want to take a moment to say a big thank you to the people who did reach out to us. Uh, we had a couple of emails, a few messages to the Facebook page. A few people actually uh, tweeted us as well or commented on the post. And I, I mean, I can speak from me and I'll let you say something as well. I mean, it, it meant the world to me. Oh, absolutely. And what what I like, I don't know if you're going to read it out or mention it, but we, we did get a, a message to our page. Yeah. And, and the guy that, that messaged us actually said that 
it was because of listening to us two that he finally got got it which yeah. it, it, it almost and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest I mean we um, we've only got a we've got a fairly small platform I'm not going to try to try to kind of make it sound like we've got this huge platform like you yeah. know but we've got we've got a few a few people that listen so you know I, I, that's why I wanted to get my opinion across and it's, it's it's very easy to preach preach to the converted it's very easy to do that and yeah, it is, yeah. I'll, I'll admit you know most of my social media kind of uh, uh, things I use like Twitter and Facebook and stuff I've created an echo chamber and I've done that for my own peace of mind and sanity because it gets as you as, as, as you and I both have discussed numerous times it's exhausting yeah. arguing with people who've they've got their opinion you've got your opinion no one's going to change each other's minds and it's no. just exhausting just going at each other so I, I, I kind of like having that echo chamber and <laughs> people can criticise me for that but it, it gives me serenity and peace so for someone to listen who would have been outside of my echo chamber and to say that listening to us has made him see it for what you know to it's kind of almost said you know you've helped me see it for actually what it is and i get it now yeah it was amazing i love seeing that and that's just i'm happy with changing just one person's mind i really am yeah yeah i mean it it was great i mean because um you know we discussed it last week about the sort of uh, personal journey i went on with my understanding of it um so to see someone else do that was great i mean it, it so that message it was great i mean we did we did get one email i'm not going to name the people involved in any of this whether they were saying nice things or bad things because that's not fair but we did get one email um with someone just basically um not so much their misunderstanding but more they wanted to make a counterpoint now their counterpoint was around the black lives matter protests unfortunately on a regular basis especially in america but uh, certainly here too uh, descending into a lot of uh, violent clashes and also a lot of looting going on at shops and damage and things so they kind of wanted to make the point of um unfortunately you know that when it happens like that it seems less about you know black lives matter you know less about a protest and more about just any excuse to go out robbing or doing things like that or smashing stuff up and the person was trying to make the point that that diminishes it and so when we see premier league football players taking a knee and stuff like that support it it feels like they are supporting that um i I kind of yeah i kind of get what you're saying with that but what what i'd say is and i think and i don't want to go into this like a massive diatribe because obviously i did that last week but i think i can give a real simple example of why that's not applicable and i think the easiest example i can give for all of us talking on a spurs news podcast is football I go to football games, never once have I attended a football match thinking to myself, right, I'm going to go there, I'm going to have a couple of points, then I'm going to go around the corner, beat the crap out of somebody because he's wearing a different colour shirt to me, watch a game of football, see if there's anyone else about for a fight and then go home. Because I'm not a prick. Yeah. (laughs) I go to football to watch a football match, to enjoy the atmosphere, to see what's going on, and then I go home. Unfortunately, there are some people who class themselves as football fans who actually go to football matches where the football is kind of like in the way of the fighting. They're hooligans. They are people that, let's face it, if you're a football fan, you don't like being branded with. You know, I, I know a few people who are Millwall fans, for example. They, they're season ticket holders. They go to Millwall, home and away. There's like family. There's a group of four of them, and like the granddad, but now the grandsons go in. 
they're not hooligans. <laughs> they're, you know, they're they're not Millwall. The, the the kind of image you have of Millwall in any way, shape, or form. But they've grown up supporting that club, and they because they're Millwall fans, they don't like talking about it. They keep their heads down. Oh, who do you follow? Oh, well, Millwall. Oh, oh, people immediately go, oh dear, all right. <laughs> it's the same thing. People who went to protest, there are tens of thousands of people protesting across hundreds and thousands of marches. And yeah, on occasion, there are groups of them that break off and criminal damage, loot shops, get violent with police. But that does that shouldn't tarnish the whole thing. So football should not be tarnished by hooliganism, as all football fans. And Black Lives Matter protests shouldn't be tarnished, all of them, because some of them are doing these things. That's Completely. the best example I think I can give. So, like I said, I'm not going to go into diatribe about it. We discussed it last week. Let's draw a line there. But a big thank you to everybody who did get in touch. It did, yeah, it was it was great. Um, and hopefully I've answered that question. And uh, you know, if it was you emailed in because uh, I know you're a regular listener, email me again. We'll we'll go back and forwards on it. I don't mind. Might say as well, Sam. Um, mm-hmm. So just I know obviously you want to draw a line. Just just one thing, thing very briefly. Yeah. Uh, when when you were saying about you know the the, the bad apples don't use that as a uh, a way of tarnishing everybody that that's mm. behind it. I don't know if you saw and, and and again this is only a two or three examples and you can use two or three examples for everything. But I I saw about two or three videos of the protests and people that were protesting saying please stop. But they were actually having a chain outside the shops. Leave the yeah. shops alone. This is yeah. this is this is not good for what we're trying to do. Yeah, so yeah. they're the co- they're the core people. They're the people that we need to get behind. The people that that are actually actively stopping the looters and saying, yeah. "Look, you're 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 spoiling what we're trying to do." You know. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're the, right. the the bad apples of the looters, and you, you you can't like you said, you can't tarnish a whole movement with a few bad apples. No, 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 you can't, and 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 that's the thing. And and unfortunately, there is a uh, a clear and obvious reason for government and people like that to focus on the bad side of it and unfortunately uh, sorry and that's unfair actually to say the government do that the media knows bad news sells which is an awful scenario and it is true but it is true you know you do a front page news story of uh here's a nice peaceful protest here is ten thousand people socially distanced you know arms length full holding up a candle in this great that they're protesting or is the front page of five or six people kicking in a shop window going to get you more of an attention? And that, uh, it's kind of like a sick reality we live in that that's, that's what happens. But maybe one day it'll shift. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, we, we do have football to talk about, which is delightful. Um, I'll tell you something that came up. You know, like on uh, Facebook, you get that kind of on this day thing come up. Um, you know, your, your past memories and stuff, your posts. Yeah, sure. I had one come up about me and you talking about the World Cup England versus Panama in 2018. No way. <laughs> yeah. And that was like a few days ago. So it's kind of like, you know, we're talking about Premier League football right now, right when... <laughs> <laughs> the Europeans, you know, right when internationals would normally be. It's very odd. It's it a very is weird. weird thing. It is weird. But we played Man United uh, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. No fans allowed in. Um, so it felt a bit like the Emirates. But <laughs> every week that's going in. Every week. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of weird. Uh, we drew the game. Um, obviously the main talking points. Uh, Steve Bergwijn's goal... Um, 
one that guy's rapid. You you I'd I'd forgotten just how quick he was. <laughs> um which was great to see and I think terrified Man United's defence. You did you notice and again this is just a stupid, boring observation, but did you notice after he scored their defence his line went back like ten yards? No, I didn't see that. They, yeah, they they started with a quite a high line. And when he did that and he took it past them and then he was just in space, for the rest of the game they sat deeper. Right. Yeah, which is clearly from one of the coaches. It's like, oh my word. <laughs> Get back. <laughs> Where did that come from? Um, you know, we're playing Tottenham. We were expecting them just to kick it sideways for 50 minutes. Where, where did that guy come from? Um, so, yeah, that was kind of crazy. Uh, another observation I made during the game, and I don't know whether you spotted it or whether anyone listening spotted it as well, but not only did Steve Bergwijn score that great solo goal, but also... He worked his ass off defensively, like discipline, covering, like Serge Aurier went forward, constantly tucked in. Um, Again, and it's like another, I didn't, that's not something I assumed that player was going to be doing. Does that make sense? I just, I was really impressed. Um, And it felt very Jose-esque, obviously. Um, You can tell he's now had some time to instill his ideas in the players um yeah that was that was quite insane to me i I was really blown away by his work rate in that game yeah we've Um, definitely got a player on our hands with him haven't we sam yeah i think so yeah i I definitely think so I, i think he can contribute quite a lot um especially when you see him do that you you think to yourself you know that's quite a a very jose player but then of course this week Jose and I and I don't understand the logic in this. Comes out to the press that he wasn't his first choice, but he's now quite pleased we got him. What? I don't yeah. see any advantage at all <laughs> no. to making that public. Do you? It's like he's 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 almost on a par with saying, like saying to your kid, like I really love you. He wasn't yeah. planned, but I really yeah. love you. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say it's like standing up on your wedding day, going, "Well, she wasn't my first choice, but you know." <laughs> She's here now, and I'm quite pleased with her. Yeah, now she's here. Yeah, which if anyone's seen my wedding speech, it's not too dissimilar. <laughs> no, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, it's almost um, like he's incapable of making a compliment without putting a little sort of side. Yeah, in. it's weird, isn't it? It's weird because like me and you discussed him in the media a while back, and you and you said to me, I think everything he does is calculated. I think everything he does, and I kind of went, oh yeah, maybe you're right. He is quite a tactical kind of uh, you know uh, very uh, mental kind of mind games kind of guy perhaps yeah I see what you mean but now I'm watching dude I think he might have just cracked in that way now are you I, th- I think that time off he had I think he's come back to football and now I just you know it's almost like Trumpism it's like <laughs> no one even asked the question what are you doing just revealing that in a press conference I was like, oh, were you impressed with his goal? Yeah, what a great goal. What a great player we have. I mean, I didn't want him. (laughs) Why say that? I just, it's honestly, it is like being in one of those uh, relationships, isn't it? Where uh, I think like they say it quite a lot, don't they? If you're sort of with a narcissistic person and you never know whether you're coming or going. And you just, you you go between thinking, is he going mad or is he a genius? Which is it? (laughs) I I mean, we're not going to know till next season. I think next season if we suddenly look a really well-disciplined side and winning football matches, we'll all go, 
Oh, he's okay. a genius. Yeah, yeah, all right, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> I think if next season we go into it and we're and we're still kind of clunky all over the place, and he's coming out saying stuff like, "Oh, we didn't perform well today because so and so um said before the game the." the wind was coming from the east <laughs> you know exactly. it's gonna be like okay right he's when he starts there. talking about seagulls i think that's when we're doomed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah let's hire that guy let's let's get him in as a motivational speaker why not do you know what sam though talking about going mad as well i mean i've got i've got to mention it but half time before again I mean, oh yes i'm like, glad you brought it up i i just like, like my 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 take from it, right? Because I, I I don't know if you're the same, right? But I I don't, yeah. especially because it was very Man United biased, wasn't it? I mean, you oh, had my word, you, you like Man, yeah. you had Ever Keen, and then you had um Neville, had Neville commentating with with what's his name, who's a Man United fan as well. It was just pure Man United. So yeah. so I actually so so the game kicked off at quarter past eight, and then I sort of because obviously it was the first game, so I got a little bit excited. I turned it on, and then when I saw it was them, I just turned it off. I'm going to switch back on at quarter past eight. I don't want to yeah. hear what they've got yeah. to say. So when it was half time, I was just you know looking at my phone, and then I had to look up because I'm like, yeah. what the hell is going on? Right, and, and all I saw was this dishevelled looking Roy Keane yeah. who looked like he just. He'd been in a scrap. I mean, his hair was yeah. all... He was, his eyes and his lips were twitching. And he was literally saying he wanted to punch De Gea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was so happy. I was just kind of like, this is just the content I've been waiting for. Roy Keane has <laughs> basically spent two months in isolation, like, simmering. <laughs> sort of like in a caged animal scenario. He's let his hair grow out, his beard's all over the place. And they've called him and said, oh, do you want to be a pundit? And he's arrived and they've gone, oh my God, who's going to tell him he needs to sort his hair out? Not me. <laughs> Don't you and he's got, on, he's got <laughs> on TV and just unleashed the inner crazy. <laughs> Do you know? What I kept thinking. You know, when you see uh, those those wild wildlife programs, and they and they have to transport a wildcat in a cage, <laughs> yeah, and then they're all yeah. sort of reaching over with a stick to like let yeah, the yeah. let the door out, and that's probably what it was like with him. It's like, right, this is super what, getting me to the studio. I tell, you, I tell you the other thing as well is I I admired the bravery of Patrice Evra who was disagreeing with him, but. <laughs> yeah. Did you notice he was disagreeing with him in the most respectful, I'm leaning as far back in my chair to put as much distance. You know, it's kind of like there's social distancing rules in baseball. You cannot jump across the table and hit me. I I respectfully disagree with you, sir. Oh, God of the world. I disagree, but please don't hurt me. But you can understand, when you see him lose it like that, you can understand why Alex Ferguson as a manager made him his captain. Oh, completely. When he was a good player, and this the other thing as well, and I said this to Dan, I think, in our Spurs chat, which is you can now also understand why when he lost a step and he wasn't as good a player anymore, he went straight away. Yeah. Because when he was good and he was the first one on the team sheet, he could walk in that dressing room and go mental like that and everyone would have to go, oh, bloody hell, you know, well, yeah, all right. Yeah. But when he lost the step, if he kept trying to do that, you'd just be like, shut up, man. <laughs> but yeah, him, his whole, I wouldn't let them on the team bus, I'd knock him out. But oh, he, he wasn't like, even impl- he wasn't great. even sort of subtly suggesting it. He was going, no. I want to I want to tear into him. Yeah, yeah I want to rip the guy's head off. <laughs> but it was like, you know, and, the, and the, the I think it was the woman hosting it and said like, oh, you know, Bergwijn really, you know, you could tell he really hit that. And he was like, oh no, I could have saved that. Because then, 
he's got that header. I think it was Sonny heads it back across goal. It was like a really good chance, and it was a great save yeah. by Hey, because his whole body momentum's going the other way. Son's done everything right, heading it back, and Dehay's managed to get his body back and and tip it over the bar. So I was like, oh, that's a great save. No, not to Roy Keane. <laughs> I could, I could have saved that. I could have saved that. I could have saved that easy. He's crap. Most overrated player in a decade. I'm like, what? He's been like United's best performer. Probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Overrated crap. Just raging, wasn't he? He's absolutely raging. Oh, I loved it because it felt to me like someone, they just dragged the guy off Twitter. You know what Twitter's like for overreaction on things? It's yeah, like, oh, oh, God. Yeah, excuse me, Ranty Joe off Twitter. Do you mind coming on Sky for us and just basically losing it over every little thing? Ranty that's Joe. not a throw-in! If that's a throw-in, I'll kill the linesman! I'll kill all of you! You know? It was great! I actually want Sky to bring in a feature where Roy Keane does an alternate commentary on every oh, Man God. United game. Because I, I think I'd me. watch... I'd actually watch every Man United game for the season of Roy Keane after... Oh, I forgot it. You see that shite? <laughs> I'd love it. Seriously, sorry. I mean, do I'll it. Just take, Make take it happen. My money. <laughs> um, okay. The other talking point from the game: um, the two penalty incidents. Okay. Um, so the first one. Let's do the first one, uh, which was given and of course was scored and and led to the game ending one one. What did you think about it? Yeah, do, do you know what this, the, the annoy, annoying thing, and I wish I hadn't done this, was yeah. literally, right, I was thinking, Dyer's having a really good game here. And, oh, then, yeah. and then when Pogba, it was, uh, when Pogba sort of turned him, I thought, oh, he's having a good game, he'll deal with this easily. And I'm like, what? That, yeah. what, what just happened? I thought he was having a good yeah. game, Dyer. <laughs> yeah, but well, it was a Stonewall penalty. You, I, I think Dyer did have a really good game. Yeah. Um, I think that is a challenge of tiredness, yeah. fatigue. Yeah. That, that was a decision made when you're knackered and I think if you watched a a few of the games there were a lot of kind of real sloppy kind of leg out you know kind of you know stuff like that which is almost like pre-season yeah and and I kind of looked at that and I was really frustrated because he'd done so well all game and so many people want him to fail Mm, yeah (laughs) you know you you like throw Eric Dyer up on our Spurs news page and people just slam him (laughs) and I'm like no there's a player there trust me um, and he's moved into central defence now. I thought he looked great all game. I thought him and Sanchez together actually looked very solid as well, um, which really surprised me. Yeah, the good thing about Dyer as well, Sam, is like I, I like centre backs who are sort of twenty five plus because yeah. it's experience you need. And like yeah. Dyer's like he, he's been playing. For, I know he's not been playing centre back, but no. he's been playing the game for a few years in the Premier League since yeah. he came over from Portugal and. I think that's what you need. I mean, that's why I was always uneasy. And I've said this to you, like, you know, uh, before when... Um, Sanchez it, and Foyth started. Yeah, yeah, I just don't like that. I don't like the inexperience yeah. on the two. And Dyer's getting to that age. I mean, what is he, 26, 27 now? And he's kind of at that yeah. age, I think, the ideal age is for a centre-back. And maybe that's what that's what um, Mourinho sees in him. Yeah, you, you're probably right. And also, I always remembered Ledley King saying when he, when he moved to defensive midfield... He, I, do you remember he said right at the time he said that he he will benefit from this when he moves back to central defence yeah. because everything is slower you know because you've got it in front of you whereas when you're in like the DM role you're like everyone's on you non-stop mm. Mm. 
And I do think you're seeing that because, like, when he's in the DM, one of the things everyone's like, oh, he's so slow to distribute the ball, his passing's not good enough. And yet, in a central defensive role, he did have that extra time. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I know some games the forwards are going to press you like hell, but yeah, I thought he looked good. The, the penalty decision really annoys me because Pogba bought it, but to be honest with you, it is a penalty. It I know it is. Um, uh, Lucas Mora buys them like that, Harry Kane buys them like that. When you when you turn someone like that, that's that's what you do. And Dyer will hopefully learn from that as well as a central defender. I I think Toby would have just been goal side and not allowed him the term. I think Jan Vertonghen possibly would have snapped him outside of the box and stood there with his hands going, "What? What? What happened? What? That's not me. I mean, he's dying there, but he's fine. He'll get up." Uh, but that's the experience, like you're talking about. You know, Jan Toby in their thirties. Um, Dyer is still. Um, you know, twenty six. He is. Uh, right, he's he's go. got the same birthday as me, the fifteenth of January. Oh, okay. Oh, I love Eric Dyer. So he's twenty seven next January. Um. So yeah, he. Um. I thought he had a good game. I was disappointed with the penalty. No, we then give away another penalty, and it's Dyer again. And the referee gives it like not a second thought. Doesn't hesitate. Gives it straight away. I. Because of the way it was given, and I haven't really seen what's happened, I've just seen the referee give a penalty like Stonewall, I was livid. I was like, what the f*** have we done? I cannot believe this game where we basically just controlled... I know Man United had loads of the ball, but I felt we really controlled most of that game. We've completely thrown it away in like 10 minutes or whatever. But... It was never a penalty in a million years. How in the hell has the referee given that? And why? And, and, you know, so one, thank you for VAR being there. um, Because VAR rightly looked at that and went, um, no, mate. (laughs) You know, what the hell? Mm. But I want to address the, the player dived, right? Now, that's not buying the penalty like Pogba. Pogba, in my terminology, buying the penalty is the leg's been dangled, stupid by the defender, and I've now gone into it and gone over. Whether people want to call that cheating or not, that's a side thing. To me, that's forward play. Diving is when the guy's not touched you and you've literally gone over like you've been shot. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so to me, you? yeah, to me, it's kind of like there's the difference, and. Why in one? Why isn't he booked? Because VAR have looked at him on there, he dived. So they've overruled the referee, which you know is always something that doesn't happen a lot. But I'm pleased they have. But surely the player should then be booked for simulation. Yeah. But also, and I think as fans we'd appreciate this is if the referees now have some sort of accountability. So after the game or anything like that, almost like a kind of. This referee has been overruled this many times. This referee, you know, sort of assess their performance. I mean, I don't know if that happens or not, but it feels like that referee had a bit of a mare. Would you, would you argue, look, and I'm not trying to defend him, but I'm just yeah. thinking of it sort of maybe as a devil advocate's point of view. Yeah. But we saw, when we saw the replay in yeah. slow motion, we saw in slow motion. Yeah, no, granted, you know. and I and I do, yeah, yeah, and you're right, and and in real time stuff like that, but I don't know, I don't know, man, I I, I find it difficult when they're stood right there, you know. I, I mean, my own experience is, I mean, I used to referee kids' games for rugby and stuff like that, and when you're stood right there, sometimes you see stuff, and because, I mean, you haven't got TV replay stuff like when you're refereeing a kids' game, but I used to have parents on either touchline, like, oh bloody hell, ref, what are you doing? And I'm like. 
He just punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you might not be able to see it from over here. I'm stood right here. Yeah, I can <laughs> trust see it. Me. Yeah, trust me. That little ginger kid just knocked that other goofy kid right out. <laughs> yeah, that's not allowed. Well, it kind of is. It's rugby, but it's not allowed in kids' rugby. Um, so, yeah, I always sort of look at that. And when I, tr- I try and be kind of like, oh, you know, poor guy. But I just felt that was so awful. And it always feels to me like the referees can make horrific decisions and mistakes, shrug it off and go and referee another game. A player makes a horrific decision, like they're suspended for free matches. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like there should be some sort of, look, you're being pulled up every game by VAR. Right, you're going to miss a week. You ain't going to get paid. You know, you're kind of... It just feels like you want to incentivize them to be better. Mm. I, I don't know. Maybe that's happening anyway. Maybe just the embarrassment of being overruled kind of, I don't know. We'll yeah, and, 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 the, and the thing is as well, like we, we, we're human beings at the end of the day. And yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and that, deci- that that second penalty being overruled, you know, there's there's a lot to criticise VAR for. And I can you yeah. know think of a hundred things that, that do my head in about VAR. But that is one thing that I'm glad it's there for. Because yeah. otherwise... It would have, they would have stood, wouldn't it? And then we would have spent, the, the, you know, we'd be talking about now being completely outraged by, it, oh, you know, massively. So, yeah. so it's, 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 yeah. it's done its job in that, and in I, that and, instance. And, I, and I'd go from this referee needs some accountability to what's his home address. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, now we do have a second game to discuss. Um, where we played uh, a little known team, also from London, I hear. Um, West. Um, United. You heard of them before this? No, I don't know. Unfortunately, uh, uh, living sort of down south, I have to deal with a few <laughs> mouthy West Ham fans. But it was it wasn't a, obviously it wasn't a league game, was it? It was the cut their cup final, or their, their, was, their second yeah. cup final. Uh, well, well, for us it was a league game. Uh, oh for yeah, us, for us, it was just yeah. three points. Yeah, yeah of course. For, yeah, just for them, a, just a, for them yeah. it was the World Championship again. Of course, it's just a bog standard know, game for us, you know. West Ham being the only club in history who claimed to have won the World Cup, by the way. <laughs> And also, can I just say as well, uh, and they claim, and the captain who won it actually was a Spurs fan, like on the podcast, <laughs> when Paul Miller told us he's actually a Spurs fan. So, oh, you know, I love that. I love do, that. I love that as well. Yeah, that, that, that was boiling piss in West Ham for some time. But, uh, so yeah, so the West Ham game, um, my, my observation really of the West Ham game is I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I, mm. I really struggled with... The way we were playing, um, I, I felt, and I don't know why, I, I think I kind of felt like the Man United game, I felt we set up very tactically. Man United are a very strong team now offensively, and I felt like, okay, he's clearly set up to counter them, he's clearly set up to do this. Right, okay, this is Jose, this is Jose setting up to win a game. We then play Man United, and he doesn't play a kind of defensive-minded midfielder, and I'm kind of like, yeah, we're playing West Ham here, you know, this, we're going to go after him. Um... I don't know about you, but at the same time, I will add, I think West Ham's formation was a really solid 5-5 nothing <laughs> for mm. for pretty much the whole game. Even after we got one, um, it was kind of, kind of, it was weird. I, it was no fans there as well, so you didn't have that kind of West Ham making it their cup final atmosphere. Uh, you said it last week on the podcast about how you felt that could help us. I mean, you're probably right. Um but at the same time, it didn't fire their players up. You know, like if their fans are getting behind them, their players might have more of a go. I think they were able to sit in that kind of ultra defensive shape because they didn't have any fans on their back encouraging them. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, we. It, I mean, we were just sideways. I mean, opening forty-five minutes. I mean, it could cure insomnia. Yeah, at, at half time, I, I, my thoughts were that's forty-five minutes back of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were not wrong. Yeah. But did yeah, you know? You do you know? Wrong. Talking about the first, so I, when it was when it was originally meant to be played that West Ham game, I, I couldn't make that game either because of work. So I, I actually put it on the ticket exchange, and then yeah. about two days before. Um, everything just stopped then it went so no one bought the ticket so I, w- I wouldn't have been able to make the game anyway even if it had been played normally with fans but yeah I, I, I still and obviously now and I think I might have said last week that hindsight's wonderful and now I've got hindsight and, and I'm I'm glad that there were no fans there because like when, whenever I go to Tottenham West Ham it is their, their fans are you know fair play to them they're a bunch of but they're, they're <laughs> but they're also very very vocal and they get behind their team and I, I can remember when we played them um, what game was it so it would have been a cup game and I remember being at the station waiting for the at Seven Sisters waiting to go the two stops to White Hart Lane and the door opened and it was just this of noise of just a whole train full of West Ham fans viciously telling much tell us how much they hate Spurs and I was like I'm just going to step back and possibly walk from Seven Sisters. It's, it's about an hour before the kickoff, so I'll, yeah. I'll avoid any more of these trains. But they they do really get behind the team, and and I and I genuinely think that they they do they get they, they lift their team. So yeah. they they look flat, West Ham. They they looked flat, and and I I, I can almost guarantee there'd have been a full stadium that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been the case. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, you're probably you're possibly right in that. Um. Yeah, I mean, we did win the game. Uh, we won the game 2-0. Uh, it was an own goal which opened the scoring. Um, VAR looked at that for a handball. Did you see a handball? Because Sky Sports really made a big deal out of that afterwards. Yeah, Moyes was foaming at the mouth, wasn't he, as, as well? I mean, yeah, I, no, I didn't. It, it reminded me a bit of... Um, do you remember the goal we scored against uh, Man City? In the, um, yeah, where where um it went in off the hip. Lorenzo, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it it was it was kind of you just can't tell. You could look at it from. Yeah, I I honestly I watched it when they did it, and then they replayed it when they said it was being reviewed, and I I didn't see it here. It's like no, the problem is, is you know I got my Spurs tinted glasses on, and I'll openly admit that, but I I didn't see it as like a clear handball. Now if it did touch his arm, then yeah, it should have been ruled out because the rules are now. Any touch of the arm, deliberate or not, leading to a goal, boom, it's disallowed. Mm. Now, VAR would have looked at that, they've looked at it, they've looked at a couple of replays and they've given it. So, uh, the problem is, is uh, you know, everyone wanted VAR to be the definitive. Like, okay, well, they've reviewed it and it stands, that's it. But, unfortunately, that's not the reality. The debate goes on. And, of course, the debate goes on because Sky stoke it. Um, yeah, sure. Know. The next day on Twitter and social media, they just published video after video every angle of it possible and yeah it just kind of like all right well never mind i mean but you know moving on from that it was given it did go in harry kane scored after he missed what i thought we was definitely going to score a few minutes earlier um but i don't know about you but i felt as that game went on against man united by the end of it i thought harry kane looked dead and i was concerned that we were about to run him into the ground by the end of the West Ham game, I thought he looked stronger than he has in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was so pleased for him that he finished that. 
so pleased for him and then to watch him just collapse on the pitch to take a breather cracked me up <laughs> do you know do you know what i love as well because I, I, yeah. I was watching um a replay of it on uh, i think i'm up on facebook i think one of the sponsors put it on you know they just sort of do yeah. targets and then you see him like, celebrate and it's like no players come up to because no. every, everyone's knackered aren't they yeah everyone's, like, everyone's no one's done got, in no yeah, one's got everyone's... the energy to run up to him yeah. they're like they they're like, like, eventually <laughs> got to him and he when, was when like when you got to them everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see him. I think one person cuddles, like cuddles him, and the rest just give him a high five when yeah. he's walking back. They're like, "Look, yeah. we'll meet you halfway. We're not coming yeah. over there." To shit. Yeah, you, you ran off. You go get him, Harry. <laughs> yeah, good luck up there. Yeah, but it was great to see him have that turn of pace um, because the chance he had that he missed earlier as well. My word, he was on the edge of our box when we got the ball, and he—that was that's Harry Kane of old. That yeah. was that was a turn of pace. I, I saw a fair few fan reactions from other clubs going, I did not know Harry Kane had that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we're all going, this is six months out from a serious like hamstring surgery. Mm, yeah. Oh, that was good to see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it, was, it was. That was so good to see. And him, and, and for him to get the goal, you could see what it meant to him. Like, oh, I'm back. Yeah, yeah, Finally. completely. Yeah. Oh, I've missed that. It, you can see the, the relief. Thing was, after the game, he was talking about, I didn't know what to do. He said, I scored, and normally I'd run to the fans. It's done <laughs> so it. I was like, yeah, what do I do? And he was like, I was knackered. Because they said, oh, did you do a Klingsman? He was like, no, I just wanted a rest. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm with you, mate. Yeah, feeling it. Yeah, it's the only totally. chance you're going to get a lie down on it, a celebration. Like, that buys you about 20 seconds. It, it reminds me of, like, you know, when you're in a really boring meeting at work, and you think, yeah. maybe if I just sort of close my eyes for 20 seconds. <laughs> So they won't notice that, like, maybe I can just make an excuse I'm yawning or something. Just, I need yeah. to buy some time. <laughs> Next thing you know, your head's hit the desk and everyone's looking at you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was I drooling? <laughs> can, I, can I say as well, Sam, I wanted to mention it uh, before we move on from the game. Um, yeah. Talking about VAR and talking about the, uh, the, the West Ham game as well. Obviously, Sonny's goal in the first half was offside. Yep. But yeah, yeah. frustratingly so. And yep. and I know I've mentioned this before, uh, but I'll, I'll mention it again because it made me think of it. Um, obviously, next season, they're going to look at possibly tinkering with it. And I'd, I'd love them to bring in a suggestion that, uh, and as much as I don't like the guy, the suggestion I love, Arsene Wenger's idea of the uh, it being daylight between the attacking player and the defender. I think they yeah. need to do that. So... You know, for anyone that hasn't hasn't seen, because I know it was a few months ago, he suggested it. If you're the only time you're offside is if there's clear daylight uh, yeah. behind the attacker and the and the and the next defender. So you, your body your bodies can be can be together. Yeah. You know, like, but, but there, there needs to be clear clear daylight the other side, and I think that's a fantastic idea because it's just getting silly. I mean, it's like toenails, isn't it? Like, you know, at the moment, well, it, and... it greatly depends what what you want. I mean, it, you know, the rule as it stands at the moment is being enforced by technology, and we're seeing a lot of goals chalked out that in the past would have been given because when you look at it and you look down the line, you go, yeah, the vast majority of the players on site. So, mm. um, and also the rule was, um, you know, any part of your body that can score a goal whereas now we're seeing like you know a hand being passed the defenders being given as offside which is really annoying um if you change the rule you're going to get more goals good i i I was going to say i guess that's kind of what football wants um you'll have teams having to sit deeper rather than these high lines um 
I don't know. I don't know. It, it can work both ways. Because I remember when they changed the rules for extra time. Like, okay, we're going to do goal and goal. And that encouraged teams to be really attacking. No, it didn't. Teams were like, I don't want to get knocked out with goal and goal. We're going to change our formation to 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will not concede. <laughs> if you get it, kick it out the pitch. <laughs> That's it. We ain't going to try and attack. And it ruined it. And they changed it back again. So, um, I don't know. Because teams could look at that and go, well, if it has to be clear daylight then we better make sure no one's getting in behind us right okay lads we're now just gonna basically put our back four with the keeper <laughs> mm, yeah uh, and, and we're gonna make sure that no one gets in behind ever um you could end up with teams defending like west Ham did against us which just makes it so difficult to break down and then teams rather than there being more goals you've got more games like that uh so yeah i don't know i i don't know if there's a clear and obvious way of fixing it but it would be nice if they would look at it because these marginal ones used to be favor goes to the attacker and that was kind of like a universal rule and sometimes it worked for you sometimes it wouldn't but we get to see more goals and more excitement Mm. um i mean i tweeted after that sunny goal was chalked off that var should only be implemented for us against man city (laughs) It's how it goes in our favour. A Man City fan replied just going, you're not funny. Okay, it was kind of funny, but you're not funny. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, (laughs) I get it. Um, Okay, man, well, we've got a fair few questions on our Facebook page, so I think think we better head there now, because otherwise we're going to run out of time. And now it's time for your comments directly from our Facebook page. Okay, so here we are. We're up first on the Facebook page. Andy Harding says, How can Toby not get a game yet? Sanchez has played both. Um, There could be loads of reasons for that. I was surprised we had... Um, we didn't play Toby and Jan. I, I kind of thought when he started with Dyer and Sanchez against Man United, he was looking at... He needed the pace of Sanchez. Um, he wanted the heading ability of Dyer. And I kind of thought that he'd swap it to our Belgian duo for the next game because of how close they were together. Mm. But he didn't. You know, he played the same centre-back pairings. Um, I'm guessing he's looking at combinations. Obviously, we know Jan's leaving unless something drastically changes. Um, perhaps he's just looking at trying to build a combination to take us forward with with Toby kind of playing a, a role because of his experience. He can slot in and out no problem. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think with Jose, it's horses for courses, though. I, I genuinely think he looks at every single game, looks at his squad, and adjusts it accordingly. I don't think he has a kind of, this is my best 11, this day will play every week, sure. unless someone's injured. But that's just my opinion, I don't know. I, I wonder as well, uh, part of it may be that, obviously, they've, they've been off for three months, uh, and I know that, obviously, they've been keeping themselves fit at home, but it's it's easier for a younger person to, to keep their sorts fit so you wonder whether that that's coming to play that it's just easy it's, yeah, it's that's, that's Dyer, Dyer and well. Sanchez have, can, can come back they're, they're, they're going to be more ready whereas Toby, yeah. Toby and Yan maybe need a little bit more time yeah no, that's also fair yeah good shout um, we also have a question from Tom Perks who says Sir Jorie keep question mark I swear people are like needling me with this every week <laughs> 
Uh, he says, Thomas Munier on a free. He's joined Dortmund on a four-year contract. We missed out on that one. We'd only offer him a two-year deal. Um, Nelson Semedo swap deal with Undombele from Barcelona. Who do you think the right-back will be for next season? Um, I think, based on everything I've read, our right-back for next season is going to be Serge Aurier. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I just don't think we got the money to upgrade him. And if we can't upgrade him... I, I think it's still going to be Serge. Yeah. Um, my my opinion on Serge is what it is. Um, James Delaney says, who should we get as backup to Kane? Oh, well, there's a question that's haunted us for four years. Uh, go on then, mate, solve it. <laughs> that's on you, Matt. Have you come up with someone yet? Danny Ings. Ooh, Danny Ings. Do you know we were in for him a while ago? Did you know this? I so Danny Danny Ings, I think was it Burnley when Burnley were went down a long time ago. Uh, do you know when we picked up Trippier? That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, and we could get him. I think it was like nine million, and Pochettino said no, he didn't rate him. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and he, I think he went to Liverpool. Didn't he did. He? Yeah, he did. And, go to then, Liverpool, yeah. and then went went on a bit of a wrangle. Danny Ings, Danny Ings, Danny Ings. I don't know. It's one of those things. You want to sort of get a player. Do you remember Paul Walsh? Yeah. This is a throwback. Paul Walsh would sit on a bench most of the season, but then would come on and do something. Super sub. Mm. You know, Jermaine Defoe almost. You know, you could bring him on. You know, he'd do something. Get caught offside, but you know, he'd do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You you kind of want to look at a player who's got that about them where they're kind of like look I know I'm a squad player but every time I get on someone you're going to know about me you mm-hmm. know yeah. the, the perfect example of it in the league right now is, is Giroud um, he was at Arsenal and Chelsea now he's the player that seems to be in a I'm a squad player I know that but when I come on everyone's going to know I'm there I'm going to put myself about I'm going to score goals important goals um, I mean we kind of missed out on that one as well uh, Chelsea have re-signed him to a new deal so um, I genuinely don't know. It's kind of like an impossible question. You're not going to be able to sit another world-class striker on the bench. That's impossible, unless we change our formation. Um, I personally, for me, would like the backup to Harry Kane to be Troy Parrott. Um, I think the kid's got all the ability to be a top-class Premier League-level striker. Maybe next season they want to loan him to a championship side so he gets first-team football for a season. I would understand that. But... That would be me. If I was then looking to sign somebody, I'd try and sign someone in the sunny mould so they can play off of Kane and as a nine should Kane need to be rested or be out. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. It's, It's a very difficult, very difficult role to fill. Yeah, it does more. It does make more sense to do that because, you know, as much as I would like to see like someone like Danny Ings uh, come along, you get yeah. the feeling that he'd be put off by the fact that he'd know that he'd spend a long, long time on the bench. Whereas someone who's, who, like you say, like Sonny, who, who thinks, well, you know, I'll, I'll play when they're resting Kane, yeah. but I'll also play when they're playing Kane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Play with and around. Mm. Um, so Kevin Bray says, if Jose's not playing him due to a clash that's been disappointing to say the least, being the manager, he should do what's best for the club, not himself. Now, Kevin's referring to Tango and Dumbele. Um, the news uh, following the West Ham game where Tango once again spent it on the bench, not even warming up, you know, at no point looking like he was going to come on. Um, it would appear there was a news story in France instantly, almost as the game ended, the news broke, well-timed release 
that Tango's had a clash with Jose Mourinho. The two are not speaking, and and Tango wants out. You know, mm. he's he's done. He won't play for him. Um, there are certain factors involved in this. I, I think there's uh, an element of truth that there's a problem there. Jose went public, and I think that's enough to annoy anybody. Um, so I don't think it takes a genius to work out that's not going to be the best relationship in the world. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's got to the extreme where they're not speaking because I don't think that would be able to be kept in-house quite so well. I mean, we've got the Amazon documentary coming, everybody. <laughs> All of these little press release stuff, we're going to find out. <laughs> so yeah. um, maybe we'll hang on and we'll just see on this one. But uh, to be honest with you, Kevin, I actually kind of disagree with you. If if a player and the manager are odd, you, you've got to back the manager and the player's got to go. I mean, I'd say that, and I say that not being Jose's biggest fan, by the way, but if you appoint someone as the manager, they're, they're in charge. You, you can't undermine them because the minute you do that they've lost all that's it you know game over so um yeah i i, I don't know on that i i'm i'm at a loss at that whole situation i know there's a few other comments on tango on here so i won't dwell too much uh alpesh k patel you're gonna love this comment mate <laughs> team God damn enrichment. Oh, come on. That's the saying, isn't it? That yeah. is the saying. I will keep saying it until the club listens. <laughs> to be honest with you, Alpesh, I, I'd love them to listen to you. you. You mentioned it should have happened two years ago. You're right. Unfortunately, that's gone now. Um, unless, unless Your broken got, record, Alpesh. Unless you've got Doc Brown and Marty McFly to go back and make some changes... Um, unfortunately, yeah, the, we're, we're done. We are where we are. Um, yeah, you, you, but you're right. I'm not, I'm not saying you're not right. Uh, Robert Darby says, thoughts on Serge Aurier's performance against West Ham. He's obviously not well liked by many, including me, but I thought he was pretty handy the other night. Um, I saw a lot of people actually be very complimentary about Serge Aurier's performance. Um, and I think it's one of the absolute greatest things about football is that, say, me, you, Dan, Laura from Spurs News could sit and watch the exact same game and the four of us could have completely different views on every player on the pitch. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the fun of football. You all, It's very subjective. Um, I think the thing with me with Serge Aurier is his position to right back. And if he was playing right wing, I'd say that I 100% agree. He looked promising. He was able to get forward. He was able to beat his men. He was able to get crosses in. Now, you know, and those crosses went in just, you know, a fraction here or there. And there's a couple of goals from it. And you'd come away from that game going, wow, he had a great game. Two assists, you know, whatever, whatever. He, he did phenomenal. My issue is, is when he goes forward, it's not that he doesn't get forward really well. It's that he then walks back. Mm. Uh, how Jose doesn't lose it at him I'll never know but he doesn't and uh, whether perhaps he knows he doesn't have any other options at right back so he can't lose it with him perhaps that's a factor but uh, you know he, he strolls back that drives me insane uh, because you see him do that and like I said to you about Steve Bergwijn's work ethic against Man United he was dropped dead by the end of that game yeah and that was because of the sheer amount of times he had to tuck back in while Serge strolled back down the touchline occasionally breaking into a kind of fake jog and then you see against West Ham again Serge Aurier looked great going forward but we're playing against West Ham who offered us nothing 
But they did have three occasions where they nearly scored in that game. One time hitting the post. And it all came from getting in behind where Serge Aurier should have been. Because he was too busy at the pitch. Yeah. And that to me is where my problem with him is. It's nothing around because he does stuff very well, but if you he's a right back and a right back's first and foremost responsibility is to defend that right channel. Like a central defender. If you've got a central defender who goes up and scores from corners on a regular basis, that's great. But if you're conceding two every game because he's strolling back from before mentioned corners you're going to be aggravated, aren't you? Because he's yeah, not doing course. his job. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, he, and, that, and that, to me, is where my issue is with Serge Aurier. Yeah, he, he, he reminds me... Um, I can imagine it's a, it's, a, it's a similar, in a way, problem to probably how Arsenal feel about David Luiz. Like, that, that guy, he can, he's a good... He, he can play football. He's, yeah, he, he's, yeah. But, he, but you, you don't want him as the last line of defence. He's not a defender for me. He's not a defender. No. He's a midfielder. He's comfortable on the ball. He can find a pass. And, and with Aurier, you know, he goes forward. You, that, you know, he can strike the ball. He can cross. He's, he's, got, a lot in, he's got a lot of ability. But unfortunately, yeah. as almost... The, I mean, obviously, you, you look, I mean, for me, you're looking at the centre-backs as the last line of defence, but also the left and right-back as well. You've got those four, def- you know, protecting the goalkeeper. So you, you need... They're, they're literally, you know, before you get to the keeper and it's a one-on-one, these are your, these are your last line of defence. So you need four defenders that you can rely on. And that's where that's where he lets us down, uh, Aurier. Yeah. Be- yeah. Because I, 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 like, I like him going forward. I, I like him. And, you know, I, I, I've said this to you before. I think there's definitely a player in him, but it's just his... Um, you know, it's it's his uh, attitude lets him down, and he's. I'm trying to find the right word. You know, when someone needs to be, uh, um, he, he he needs to stick to what he's doing, and he's not doing it properly. The, the word yeah, will pop yeah. in my mind one in a minute. It's, but it's, it's con- I mean, you said it the other day to me. Is his concentration? Yeah, his ability to stick to the task. Because there are some games that you go into and you're like, oh wow, he's really sticking in there. You know, he's being disciplined. I mean, but the problem is, is then the next minute he could go in two footed on someone. You're like, where did that? Come yeah, from? yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of the difference between someone who's you know a good player, which he undoubtedly is, and someone who's going to kick on and be a great player and move forward because he's just not going to be able to do that and when we first signed him I think you could look at it and go yeah that could possibly be coached out you know that could possibly be ironed out and like you said there's a player there mm. there's definitely a player there but after three years of the same you got to, I think me personally I think you got to go it ain't going to work sure yeah sure <laughs> you know three years of trying Pochettino a fantastic man manager Jose Mourinho probably the highest regarded defensively minded manager if neither of them are able to get Serge Aurier to think before he acts on the pitch I think you've got to go yeah ain't gonna work but in the Premier League I think in other leagues you'd look at him and go whoa phenomenal yeah sure sure (laughs) look at that guy so powerful so forward running but in the Premier League you get fanged out so fast yeah um but yeah um now the, the last there's a fair few comments but it's kind of one point uh peter robinson uh simon whiteman mark corder dennis triton and stefan cruz super sub alvarez have all kind of basically had a conversation and a point around tango and dembele um uh, peter basically makes the point about um you know if you break this down into tottenham being a business the, the business has invested circa 60 odd million quid into a piece of equipment machinery in this instance tango 
and it feels like they're not looking after that investment. They're, they've kind of like just brought in and gone, work! Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, Which you kind of expect you know, when you pay that amount of money, really. <laughs> well, uh, you do and you don't. I mean, you know, let's take the analogy of, uh, you know, a, a piece of equipment in a factory. You've got to install it. Yeah. you've got to have people around it and know how to work the thing <laughs> you, you've sure. got to, you know you've got to do all of these things that kind of um have these factors to to make it work now he makes the point and it is a valid one around what did the club do with these players when they arrive in the country you know are are they looked after tottenham got heavily criticized um some time ago uh by paulinho if you remember Paulinho, he came in from Brazil. I think we signed him for about 19 million. Everyone watched him in the Confederations Cup, and he was probably the best player in the tournament. And we were like, wow, we have made a sign in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy is going to be. This guy is going to be good in the Premier League. He's going to be like our Frank Lampard, arriving, scoring goals from midfield. This is going to be special. Uh, he was an absolute flop. Um, he was awful. We then sell him to China. He then goes on and has probably the best two to three year stint at Barcelona in their midfield any midfielder has ever had. And we were all looking at it going, what the hell (laughs) just happened? That is the guy. What the hell just happened? Another example was Kevin Prince Boateng, who then went on to have like this amazing career at all these clubs. And we're like, how? How did that? What? Yeah. The reality is, and the criticism that came in from Paulinho came via um, the octopus, the goalkeeper, Aurelio Gomez, who was unbelievably professional at his time at the club. Um, Even when he was dropped, even when he was third choice at the club, he just stayed professional. I'm very impressed with him in that way. But he made it quite clear that Tottenham brought players in and just kind of dumped them. They didn't have any support, any kind of interaction with the club on a daily basis, any any help adjusting to their new lifestyle, finding a home, you know, where's a good place, you know, they literally got brought in and that was it. You know, you're just expected to arrive in, like you say, a piece of machinery, get plugged in and work Mm -hmm. perfectly. Um, That changed. That criticism actually hit home at the club and the club made a lot of changes where we now have player liaison officers. Um, It goes right the way through the academy as well and into the first team. And basically, you know, when the players come in, they have got uh, someone who speaks their language. They are paired up with other players. They are introduced. They are looked after. Everything from their home to their families everything they need they do have almost like a concierge service to try and help them adjust try and help them fit in Mm. that doesn't mean though that on the pitch you're going to get it straight away i think and i've said this before tango and the ballet came from france where he literally could play 60 to 70 percent of the games in that league at 50 percent half-assed and still look like the best player on the pitch yeah and I, I don't mean to sound ridiculously disrespectful. What I'm trying to say is that Tango was a step above that league. That you know, and that's there are some players who were just like that. I mean, I think Messi's a step above football. Yeah, <laughs> you know? sure. The guy's yeah. just so good. Yeah. you can put him anywhere, and he just looks amazing. Possibly not Stoke on a Thursday night, but we'll <laughs> never know. Um, but yeah, I just blown away by by the ability the guy's got, but. There is clearly a disconnect between having all that ability and that thing, and then when he's come to England, it's almost like he's well, I'm doing all the same stuff. <laughs> why, you know, why ain't it working? Why, why here in England have I got this like 
aggravating little dude kicking lumps out of me every five <laughs> yeah, seconds. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why aren't the referees blowing the whistle constantly? Which, of course, in Europe, they do. You know, in Europe, in French football, Spanish football, you ever watch it, those little, like, niggling kicks in midfield are, like, blown up constantly. They don't really happen. They allow the midfielders to kind of have this wonderful time on the ball which create this beautiful pattern of play. In England, you get a crap kicked out of you yeah. in midfield. Yeah. And he just looks like a guy who just cannot adjust to that. And, ra- and my criticism here really is rather than the club putting their arm around him going, don't worry, you will adjust. Don't worry, you know, look at Moussa Dembele who struggled when he first moved in the midfield and then became arguably the best midfielder on the planet for a couple of seasons. Don't worry, you know, you're going to get there. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to work on. It feels like he got thrown under the bus, like, you know, called lazy and all sorts. And, and that was it. And I don't know about you, but there's different people in this world, like different reactions. I know myself personally, if someone has a go at me like that, I, I can sometimes explode back or I can become implosive where I like go, oh, OK, am I? All oh, right. And it just defeats me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and, it, and he looks like a guy who's been called out and had a go at and he's like, oh, yeah, all right. Mm. I am then. Mm. Oh, okay. I thought I was good. <laughs> and he just looks defeated. Oh, I wonder, and you may correct me if I've got this wrong, but he doesn't speak English, does he? Uh, he's, he's Well, he's better than I am with French now, but he didn't when he arrived. Right. Because I, I wonder, and it, it sounds it sounds trivial, but it, 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 it must cause a problem. Like, you know, like if, so when he, when he first played, when he first signed for us then, because I remember... You know, you were talking about them being paired up, and and I remember he must have been paired up with Sissoko because there was a few yep. things on on the uh, on the on the uh, 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 website, yep. you know, with him, him interviewing each other in French. Yeah. And it, it must be. I see. I, I try to imagine like if I if I'd gone if I because I I mean I can probably count to ten in French and that's about it. So I imagine mm. if I if I went to France and started playing and everyone is literally speaking a language that I've got no idea yep. what they're saying. Yeah, it must it, it must affect how you settle in. It, it must do, like does, naturally. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah, massively it does. And and you know he started taking English lessons once he knew he was coming. But again, and it, and this is going to sound like a real kind of oh you're taking a bit of a far fetched swing at this, Sam. But because of how Daniel Levy does transfers, unfortunately they get strung out. Yeah. And if you're a player, basically he was left in limbo. He didn't know where he was going. He knew he was leaving, but there was a club in Italy in for him. There's us in for him and a club in Spain. He didn't know where he was going until the last, you know, the last minute. So in like he could go right, okay, Tottenham's in for me. I've done a deal with them. The club's now talking, but the deal's going to be done soon. I'm going to book him for English lessons. I'm going to start looking at where I'm going to live. He didn't have that. No. He basically got, right, we signed you, turn up for preseason. Now, he did come in before anybody else, probably our earliest signing for some time. But at the same time, it like dragged on. For, for him, it dragged on for quite a while. And we do that a lot. And then we kind of expect these players to just be perfect from day one. And it's always really unfair. You know, oh, we spent this much money. They should be amazing. Well, that's on us. You know, we spent the money. That's not on the, that's not on the player. It ain't fair that because we spent 60-odd million on him, everyone expects him to walk on water from day one. And let's face it, his debut, he scored. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, and yeah. he, we've all seen touches of absolute brilliance from him. But like, Le Celso, I think, was our best player on the pitch against West Ham. I thought he was phenomenal. Mm. I, I really, really rate him. 
Yeah, his first few games for us, he looked all over the place. He looked really poor. And people seem to have forgotten that already. Because he's now really looking good on a regular basis, that's forgotten. It's forgotten the fact that he got injured within like a couple of weeks of arriving, right. missed countless times, came back, still looked a bit ropey, and then suddenly started to settle in. We, we then signed him permanently and he's looked good. It's because once your performances hit a level, everything that came before is forgotten. And I think with Tango, it'd be the same. I think the minute he can level his performances and we can see that ability we've seen in patches like week in, week out, that this kind of beginning to his career would be forgotten. But I, I just want to beg for patience because you know, like Terry Henry arrived at Arsenal and people called, called him crap and a waste of money. He's gone on to be like one of their best strikers and arguably one of the best strikers in the Premier League history. There's so many players come into England and struggle initially, but it's all forgotten because they then go on to be great. Our best example initially, Moussa Dembele, I gave a minute ago. People have completely forgotten that people wanted him sold for two, three seasons. He's crap. What is he? What does he do? He doesn't achieve anything. The only people who used to constantly talk about how good he was was his teammates. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Pochettino came in and he looked like the best player in the world. Well, I can think of an even better example. Ga- yeah. Gareth Bale. Well, yeah. I mean, I like... Mean, that's the, that's the, the one that gets thrown in, yeah. The, last fifth, the first 15 games, he was like a buck, wasn't he? Like, every week yeah. he'd play, he'd play, we'd lose. And we're like, literally, yeah. we've got to get rid of this kid. Get rid of him. Yeah. He's just on atrocious, you know? Yeah, it's mad. And, and But it all gets forgotten once, you know... Once he becomes a butterfly. Yeah, of course, you know? of course. Once the transformation happens. But I do worry about the way Jose handles it, because... Mm. Uh, the guy, do, you, oh, I don't know. do you know what I was going to say as well? And I'm, I'm going to sound like a right hypocrite now for saying, uh, yeah. criticizing poor old Alpesh for, for constantly saying TV Richmond because I'm going to say yeah. something that I repeat all the time. But yeah. it, it, it goes back to this thing about Levy, where you know he's he's a great businessman, really good. But this business, he, his business um, acumen, his business, um, the way he works there's so many reasons why it doesn't work in football and here is another classic example you know like barter 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 for the player but it's not taking into account the player and and things yeah the human side of it and that's and like you've just said like you completely good great point like you know he he's not do i do i look do i look for a place do i start learning english it's just sometimes bartering for the for two or three million pound less it's the yeah. difference between these players hitting the ground running and 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 and, yeah. and getting them or, or waiting for them to take a while to settle in. It is that, and it yeah. it's, it's, it just doesn't see it. It's so frustrating. He doesn't see it so many times, and he's he can he can go to the, the Joe Lewis or the rest of him. He can say, look, I've saved three or four million pound on this signing, but that's not the that's not what you should be focusing on. And it's frustrating. No. It's so frustrating. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Um, but hopefully we've answered everyone's questions. Hopefully we've answered to some satisfaction and discussion. Um, our next game is next Thursday. Now, I'm not sure when we're going to podcast next. It could be next Thursday, so we could hear from us again before the game. It could be next Friday, like the last couple of weeks. We will see. That will be a lovely surprise next week for everybody. Uh, but assuming that we're going to talk Friday, we'll have this game to talk about. But Sheffield United away is not an easy game. Um, I have no idea which team he's going to pick because he's surprised me so far. <laughs> um, but 
if we could come away from there with three points, I would be a very happy man. Yeah, I, I, get, I get the feeling after last night's result, I feel like top four now is 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 out and I, I, it's gone. Yeah, and I wonder what I wonder ask you actually. I know we're coming to the end of the podcast, but just your thoughts on it. So Harry Kane has always said, as long as the club are progressing, I'm always going to stay here. Well, yeah. potentially we'll be Europa League next season, and that's not progression, is it? Um, no, it's not, but I don't think anyone can afford him this summer. I no. think he knows that. I think the club knows that. I think Jose's even said it. Um, there's no way he's leaving this summer. Good. Um, it, it'd just be impossible because he's under contract, such a, such a long contract. Even if he handed in a transfer request, the club could say no. Mm. Um uh, but I don't think he'd ever do that. I think he'd have a sit down with Jose at the end of the season, and Jose's going to say to him, "I'm here to win stuff. You know that. You know my CV. Yeah. Um, you know the the problems behind the scenes. Harry will know better than anybody, so he will be aware of the the team fatigue, the squad fatigue, the fact Pochettino's gone, the fact Jose's trying to instill new stuff." He'll also look around him and go, yeah, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, <laughs> you know. Um, I think this summer and how we recruit, how we go about our business, look, we ain't going to be spending massive money, but how we go about our business, I think, will greatly dictate in his mind how he's going to be feeling. But I can't see him leaving, uh, you know, unless a club takes out some stupid bid. Um, but I just can't see anybody being able to afford it. I mean, you're looking at 200 million plus. Yeah, minimum. The, the, well, it is. For us to consider losing Harry Kane is 200 million plus. Mm. And there just ain't a club on the planet who can afford that right now. Yeah. Um, you know, even the ones backed by severe wealth of nations just can't do it. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, uh, mate. We're done, and um, and this is episode ninety five, Sam. We only got five more to the big, the big one hundred. I, I I'm starting planning the big one hundred. Right. There's going to be something special in the big one hundred. I cannot make my mind up what it's going to be yet, but it could just be something crazy. We could have loads of special guests. Basically, me doing impressions. <laughs> now, now, I know, now I know you got your connections. So, what do you reckon? Do. Let's get Jose on. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah I've got I'll, connections, uh, man. I'll, but... I'll reach out. I'll reach out. I, I get. This, I get the impression it'd be two words. The last word. Oh. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. We had a very quick listen to see your opinion on Mister Mourinho, and uh, he says, "Go." He says no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mate, thank you for joining me. As always, it's been fun. Uh, big thank you to everybody for listening. We will be back next week, whether it's before or after the Sheffield United game. That'll be a lovely surprise for you. But until that time, everyone, take care. Take care, mate. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. Be sure to join over 50,000 other Spurs fans on our Facebook page at Spurs News. Until next time, come on, you Spurs! And remember, to dare is to do.